podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Oh, we're recording. Now we're recording. <laughs> Guys, I said it immediately. You did it, you really, Whatever. It's really going to change everything. I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, I noticed it on the... I, I think you should be okay with it. I did with my it. wife. And, I don't think it was... Wait, you'd use it with your wife? No, on the podcast. Oh, on the podcast. On Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. Not, it's not a, it's not uh, a sensible thing to call her. Guys. Who keeps leaving the bridge? Like someone's coming on, someone's, someone's coming, coming off. On. The turbo lift is not that. Uh, I was just wondering what that little uh, ding sound. And I is. decided it's the navigation system. And I think that makes sense. It also on the old in the old track. I think that they perceived it a little bit more as a submarine situation than a ship situation. Right. So that's well, like more of the sonar. One of the beep. best episodes is the balance of balance terror. Balance of terror. So good. They can't see each other. So they have to fight each other in the nebula, which they then it's really used in I mean. Star Trek Deuce. It may be, if not my favorite, it's definitely top five. Uh, episode of the original series. Uh-huh. Wow. That's a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, it's not far off. It's. I just because like you uh like your fixation on the um on the the minutia of you know the the protocols and mm-hmm. uh, the day to day operations for me it's uh the military strategy that they employ sure I'm fascinated with it and the chess game that happens in space all right let's move to the twenty fourth century okay ah <sighs> yeah feels cleaner. Yeah, feels like it has no texture. <laughs> like we're in a hotel lobby in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's what the ship was. It was the hotel of ships. Hi, guys. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt Myra. And I'm Andrew Secunda. We are here making sure everyone slogs through the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Guys, don't fall down on the job. I'm going through it. You don't. have to, too. Don't let Andy down. Someone <laughs> has to go through this with him. And boy, was it an episode this week. <laughs> really? Really? I mean, I you know, we're both professional writers. We both know the difficulty of a first season. Mm-hmm. And so we shouldn't be that critical. Um, this was a giant steaming turd, this episode. I mean, conceptually, it's an interesting premise. I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. They, like, it's, it's just... It's just attached to the, the 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 fact that he's getting younger is attached to this episode and it has nothing to do with the the plot of the episode also i think that the well, i mean we'll get into it i'll talk about the cold open and everything but um you guys asked for it and we're delivering ambient noise throughout mm. the episode yeah people really love it but i think we're gonna get off the bridge and go into the quarters because i find all the beeping to be a little too distracting. See, I feel like there should be activity. Like, work. I think if we were recording a podcast on the Enterprise, uh-huh. we wouldn't do it on the bridge. Right. I'd be like, well, there's too much going on here. Right. Plus, Picard doesn't love it when we record podcasts <laughs> up here. 
Why don't we just go to my corner? We need a poster with us recording a podcast at the side of Picard and him just being like, what is going on? (laughs) Are they ambassadors? Uh, See, I don't think I'm going to fall asleep with it. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Still doing it? Every night. That's great, right? I go down for like 10 hours. <laughs> it's a it's a special thing. And you know what's funny is I, even when I was flying last week, I put it on. Yeah. Not that a plane sounds unlike <laughs> this. It's true. <laughs> but what I, what I liked about it was I could put the, I put my noise canceling headphones on sure. and then pumped in Starship sounds. It's great. Because that. And then you have the, the, the vibration. Yeah. And the sound, you know, on a plane, I feel like sometimes people are yapping and I don't like hearing the no, cart go by. So yeah. I just was in my own little world. It's so great. It really is so comforting. That it's like, oh, I'm going to go on a ride while I sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pretend. It is great. You, Can I ask you not to pick it apart? Um, although we do we do that with everything that's what else. We do. So, um, I think it's uh, issues with your father. It, it, that's why. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> because he did it. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Probably, no, I'm just. I, you said not to pick it apart, and usually that's the answer to don't pick this apart. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but the uh, the. Is it bullshit, the sound? What do you mean? Well, it's like, basically, it's sort of duplicating kind of a submarine sound of it kind of going through the water, I think. Or at least the engine sound. Is is that what this is? Like, what is this sound? What are we hearing? Yes. I think we're hearing uh, matter and antimatter being pumped to the nacelles. Would it make that sound? Yeah. All right. It's humming along. We're, we're hearing inertial dampeners. We're hearing artificial gravity. We're hearing... So many systems going. My other question is, it said idling on my, and the one that I'm using. I don't know yeah. if that's what it says on yours. Does that mean it's still the the Enterprise? Idling for an Enterprise situation, I just think sub-warp impulse speeds. Sub-warp, I got you. You know, I think it sounds different when your thrusters are on. I think it sounds different when um, you're traveling at, at warp. Gotcha. I prefer to think of us in motion. That's certainly easier yeah. for... You're not like orbiting right plus i don't think the enterprise idles too often unless it's standing it really doesn't unless it's like facing another ship and you know then it's a whole thing sure so andy yes have we come to a conclusion of when the emails are going I think that uh, there's been a lot of debate back and forth amongst us on the internet yep uh, the poll came out clearly saying, well, not clearly, but, uh, you know, at least 60% saying keep it at the beginning. Uh-huh. Matt and I both had the impulse of it does seem to slow it down a little bit. I agree. Uh, however, the counter thought was. Um, it goes with the previous episode. It goes with the previous episode. You listen to the previous episode, and then if you haven't heard this episode, then you go right in and you can hear a few extra thoughts. So that's reasonable, too. So uh, what, I think what what you made the command decision mm-hmm. about this week is we put it at the end yeah. for this episode, and, and then, then we'll do a poll. And then after that, people are going to tell us which they liked better. So we're going to do a poll, I guess, on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, pipe in, you do your, your ats and, uh, and commentaries, and let us know how you're feeling. Pipe in and pipe up, guys. We want to hear out. from you, the fans. On the internet. The eight or nine of you that listen to this show. Yeah. all. Let's hear from all eight of you. Um, okay. So 
that being said, then you know what we forgot. What did we forget to do? You didn't tell me what day in history it was, so we don't know what. Oh, I'm not. I haven't right. started yet. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with this. Matt, would sure. you watch this episode? Would you advise them to watch this episode? Uh, I think I know the answer to this. If like you're, if you, if you're numb mm-hmm. and you just want to feel again, yeah, maybe watch it because you'll just feel hang- anger. <laughs> um, it'll be something. It's easier than cutting yourself. Sure. Um, so that's my answer. Right. If you're uh, even keeled, I would say don't bother. Don't bother. <laughs> yeah. This is one to put. It's me. Uh, it's one to it's one to be ejected out of a, a an airlock uh, into into the nether regions of space. Yeah. So the episode is too short a season, ironically, because I thought it was too long an episode. Um, oh, sure. It aired February eighth, nineteen eighty eight. Star date four one three zero nine point five. Andy, yeah. what was going on? All right. Give me, what's the date again? <laughs> February. <laughs> February the 8th, 1988. 8th. Uh-huh. 1988. Uh-huh. Uh, Bless me. Thank you. Um, okay, so that one, it still could have been by Tiffany. Oh, God. Sorry. Guys, we're not going to play could have been because I... Could have been. Do you want to play it. a different uh, Phil Collins? <laughs> uh, you could, oh, how about "I Should Be So Lucky" by Kylie Minogue? Was what's, in the UK. What's, what's number two? Number two. It doesn't give me those. Oh, I see. I see. Um, by the way, uh, someone had sent in was very nice enough to send in uh, a bunch of other news stories. If you want to send that, oh, that's cool to me. Or you want to point me toward a website that I can pull it up pretty fast every week? Because guys. We both got other stuff. Well, you know, I'm, we're doing a lot of stuff here. Well, I mean, you know, some have more things than others. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you've chosen to do nine podcasts, <laughs> not on me. <laughs> so, what are you going to play? Kylie Minogue. I, I should be so lucky. Let's hear what the UK was I doing. I remember enjoying this one. I don't know how loud. You know what? I... You... It's very poppy. Yeah. You know what's funny is, I think I had "She's So Lucky," um, uh, the lucky uh, the uh, the Britney Spears song. In my head. Yeah, <laughs> in my head. sounds like I... I'm uh, walking down the corridor of the Enterprise, and someone's quarters is playing this too loud. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what is data experimenting with in human nature now? <laughs> dance, <laughs> just dance. <laughs> Um, okay, the U.S. president was Ronald Reagan, of course. Um, I should be so lucky in the U.K. Uh, Stand and Deliver, starring Edward James Olmos. Ah, oh, Battlestar's own. Battlestar's own uh, was the number one. And uh, The Bonfire of the Vanities by Tom Wolfe, still one of the best-selling books. That has to hang in for a long time. Uh, I do remember the song, and I enjoyed it. Kylie Minogue was cute as a button. Is cute as a button, still I'm is. sure. It's probably younger than me. <laughs> can't see it, but we're we're bopping our heads. We can't help it. Yeah, it, there's some songs that are just meant to be moved to, and uh, all of Kylie Minogue's are that. Okay, I'm gonna. 
take this down a notch here. It's very loud. I feel like we have a very loud episode so far. We do. <laughs> trying to wake everybody up. The ambient noise there. Yeah. Oh, that's too far. Too far. We're, we're, okay there. <laughs> we're okay there. Okay. Um, all right, Andy. So the episode is too short a season. Yeah. Uh, really? It was. This season seems endless to me, there Matt. There you go. <laughs> Directed by Rob Bowman. Yeah. What's uh, going on with Bowman in this episode? I think he's be, he's, 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 so, he's very talented. He's a talented individual. And this one is. I think, uh, as we know from television. Right. TV directors don't have a ton to do with what you're seeing. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I will say, though, I, mean, I he found just, there he's to like, be... He's like, I'm working... I'm working... Uh, what was this? Week... Uh, I'm working week 12. Right. And 13 or whatever. It wouldn't work back to back. But I'm working week 12. Let's see what they give me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. No, I, I I don't blame him for the plot. I do... I will say, I think there's some weird... There's some handheld Directorial... Yeah. I liked... I gotta say, I liked seeing Picard come out of the turbo lift. Like See, that. I was gonna say, I thought it was weird. The scene is over, and he goes... And then he says, all right, I got to go down to sick bay. And, and then there's a handheld shot of him walking into the turbo lift. And you got a minute alone with bay. him. You got a minute alone <laughs> like, with him. Why are, why are we following? Why do we do a special handheld shot for that? All right. So directed by Rob Bowman. Uh, teleplay by Michael McKellian and DC Fontana, the great DC Fontana. Story by Michael McKellian. This is too short a season. And I will summarize the plot as quickly as possible. <laughs> a hostage situation on Morden 4 brings the Enterprise and Admiral Mark Jameson, who successfully negotiated a peace there 40 years earlier, back for another case. Unknown to Starfleet uh, and Federation historians, Jameson actually appeased the planet leader, Carnus, with arms for his hostages, then... Uh, then, but kept the prime directive by supplying all his enemies, thus sparking four decades of civil war. Now, in the previous sentence, I said that he negotiated a peace 40 years earlier, and uh, this next sentence says that it plunged <laughs> them into 40 years of civil war. Carnus uh, doesn't need Jameson to negotiate on behalf of hostages now. The invitation is just a ruse to get him to uh, there so the governor can exact his revenge. But the wheelchair-bound admiral has another surprise, which he's kept secret from his wife, Anne. Another planet, grateful for Jameson's diplomacy, has revealed their de-aging compound to him, and he has been using it. His youthful... Uh, his youthfulness startles his wife and the crew until he over until he overdoses, start to backfire. His body can't take the strain. Meanwhile, Picard arrives at Morden and confronts Carnus uh, with the truth. But the leader wants Jameson and doesn't believe the young man he sees before him is his enemy from so long ago. Only Jameson's display of their blood cut scar convinces him, uh, convinces and amaze Carnus. But by now, even vengeance is futile. The governor allows Jameson to die as his wife watches, and the admiral is buried on Morden Four at her request. Yeah. Oh, by the my way, even goodness, even you get to that point, they they is it, no, he'll be buried on this planet. What, Why? You, you want the guy who started Why? forty years of civil war buried on your planet? It's crazy. this is where he was happiest, where he was starting four years of bloody civil war. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, one of many things in this episode that are uh, nonsensical. So let's. So uh, from, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say let's kick it off with Captain Picard's Captain's Log. Alrighty. Captain's Log, Stardate 
9.5. We are in orbit around Persephone 5, where I have been sent to confer with Admiral Mark Jameson in regard to an extraordinary situation. There you go. Looks like someone's using the replicator. <laughs> nice. Um, so at the beginning, yeah, the cold ahead. open is so weird in this episode. Very weird. It's stuttered. Uh, this is essentially what we. This is what we open with. We open with that captain's log and, and then Carnus. I am Carnus, governor of Morden Four. A dissident group of terrorists have taken Federation Ambassador Hawkins and his staff hostage. They will not discuss terms with me. This is a crisis I cannot resolve. The terrorists are demanding a Federation negotiator. I feel there is only one negotiator with the skills to resolve the situation. The lives of the hostages will depend on Starfleet delivering this man to Morton. Commander Mark Jameson. Admiral Jameson. The terrorists have given you six Earth days to bring him here, or the hostages will die. Guys, I fell asleep there. I keep keep wanting to sort of jump to the end to address all of the all of the writing issues. Number one is this guy. By the end of the episode, it's revealed that this guy has just taken the hostages himself, right? And there is no transition between the moment of him saying the the dissidents have taken the hostages and I'm I'll kill the hostages. (laughs) There's no moment. Where everyone's like, yeah, but you said before, right. so why are we here? Do we ever? Do we have a treaty with you? What's it, going on? It's <laughs> it's so, ugh, it's like an afterthought. Yeah. Uh, you know the original story. I can read a little bit about that if you care to hear that information. Sure, here. I'd be curious. Uh, Michael McKellen McKellian's uh, original story used the reverse aging device to deal with the issue of male menopause. Uh-huh. In that version, Jameson helps Governor Zepic and his rival, the High Priest, sit down to peace talks and does not die at the end. Instead, he regresses to the age of 14 and loses all memory of his wife. Kind of felt like that's where it was going. Uh-huh. Fontana tightened up the terrorism trap as a dramatic story to lure, uh, dramatic story's lore, and had Jameson die for having tampered with nature. Rob Bowman, the director, remembered being excited about working on the weekend uh, on sorry working on weekends with actor Clayton Rohner to build up the character of Jameson but otherwise he recalled the show as a sit and tell script uh, that was long with dialogue other problems with this episode included subpar makeup <laughs> oh man is it uh, I remember that I said aloud as soon as he appeared on the screen. Uh, I, I was went, like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, we have to deal with that the whole time? More like too short in the makeup chair. Hi-oh. <laughs> um, the uh, subpar makeup look for the aged Admiral Jameson and a malfunctioning $10,000 wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> that was ten thousand dollars. That fucking piece of junk. <laughs> uh, was it supposed to roll around automatically? I don't know what it was supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> Michael Pataki had previously played another K role on the original series. The- all the wheelchairs in the future are massive. <laughs> I, th- I feel like they're doing other things. Like, right. like I feel like they're they like, like be like hover chairs. Or I think you shit? can like poop and pee in there, <laughs> I see. and I think they're like. So maybe giving you a little bit Who of a knows massage, massage or something. Yeah. 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 All kinds of things are happening right. down Ooh, there. a massage wheelchair. Matt, that's our idea. Get on it. 
although it's not going to really do well for people who have no feeling below I their waist. I guess that's true. All right. <laughs> Retracting <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Oh, no, I've Some already invested $100,000. Oh, no, it only cost 10 <laughs> Uh <laughs> Uh, now this references. Uh, I'm reading again from Star Trek: Next Generation Companion, Companion rather, the revised okay. edition. All right. Uh, referring to uh, Michael Pataki, who was uh, the the antagonist of the episode, he played uh, Korat. Uh, oh, sorry, he played Koloth. Right. Koloth's aide that taunts Scotty and Chekhov in the trouble with Tribbles. I. Uh... I'll tell you. Should be hauled away as garbage. I have that clip if you'd like to hear it. I've heard it a thousand times. Play it again. Let me get this. I want to hear Scotty's setup to it. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? You're right. He's kind of doing the same accent. I didn't mean to say that the Enterprise should be hauling garbage. I meant to say that it should be hauled away as garbage. <laughs> he did it. By the way, I rewatched this scene then. Uh-huh. It is a long, awesome fight scene. Oh, it's great. <laughs> that episode is so good. Have you ever seen Trials and Tribulations? No, I never saw the. Uh, I know that they did. They went back. So good. I really got to see that. But it's I will also. So good. Before we get off this, Michael Pataki. Uh, is that his name, Michael Pataki? Uh, I just read it. Yes, Pataki. Michael Pataki. Um, also uh, from the 80s, in addition to, uh, to uh, being many. I'm trying to hand a list of his credits, but I can't find it now. But the, uh, but the one that I remember the most was uh, this memorable character from Rocky Four. So the results quite obvious. And what results are those? Whatever he hits, he destroys. <laughs> I was like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, I know this guy from somewhere, and that was where I knew him from. Other uh, trivia also... from Star Trek: The Next Com- uh, Generation Companion book. Whew. Multiple. The show marks the first appearance of a Starfleet admiral in TNG uh, and of his duty uniform, which would eventually be redesigned thrice more. Little used here is a miniature of the Morden City built by Okuda and Sternbuck, the last such model used in favor of matte paintings until season six. Note the wall behind Camus's desk is lined with old-style phasers from the 60s and Trek movie eras. Oh, cool. The portal to Khan staff style. Uh, sorry, the portals to Khan style staff from the last outpost also hangs here. Neat. And uh, so many words. Clayton Roner. Uh-huh. Um, I did a little deep dive on him. Uh, he who plays the Admiral Jameson. Mm-hmm. And I, I gotta say. Uh, Okay, fine. You know, it's not it's not on him that the makeup looks like somebody just threw paper mache at his face ten seconds before he, he went on. Oatmeal. Oatmeal. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah more oatmeal. And that, uh, by the way, the uh, when you're making this kind of intense, you know, makeup effect for television, you don't have all the time in the makeup chair or in preparation um, as you do in movies. So... Uh, I don't. I don't really. You know, it, it's just sort of like they should have seen the test of this and gone, okay, we got to figure out something else. So that's a. But uh-huh. but I I don't put that on the makeup makeup gentleman whoever that was. 
Um, I think Matt's maybe looking it up. Um, no, I'm not. Oh, he's not. He's not, not at all. Up. So, so you can look it up at home. It'll be a fun little game for you. Or not fun game. Um, anyway, uh, so that's not on him. But this performance as Admiral Jameson as an old person is like a high school play version. It's like, he's like playing a Muppet uh, version of an old play- oh, well, well, I will, No, because I have to... Blah, blah, blah. He's like the... Uh, in Kimmy Schmidt, the second season of Kimmy Schmidt, they... Uh, there's there they have this guy's uh, Titus's boyfriend's grandmother is as a puppet, oh, just an elderly <laughs> puppet. It's amazing. So they just had <laughs> like that's what he's doing. That is exactly what he's doing. It's 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 terrible. Uh, however, he does. I would say as soon. <laughs> the other thing is once he can use his real voice three acts into the fucking show yeah well actually he's okay when he does it then but uh just on the deep dive on uh, clayton roner i hope i'm pronouncing your name correctly as i'm telling as i'm critiquing your performance but mostly i remember him he's not listening as the hand no he's not as the handsome guy from just one of the guys Uh uh-huh oh Uh, right he was also an angel x-files la law tj hooker hill street blues miami vice beverly hills 90210 and, Matt, you will be interested to know, The Human Centipede 3. Oh. <laughs> so the guy's still working. Uh, let's hear a little bit of that voice. Okay. Oh, sorry, everybody. I what? Available. Still alive, you mean? So far as he knew, sir, you could have been dead. Quite right, Commander. But I am not. And I imagine Ambassador Hawkins has told him that. I briefed the Ambassador about Mordan before he left to take up residence. All right, Karnas has a problem. He thinks you can resolve. What do the terrorists need that Karnas can't or won't give them? Morton has had peace for five years. They have finally come to a state of productivity which satisfies their planetary needs, but no more than that. Perhaps the dissidents feel the Federation could provide them with more. I have negotiated many treaties on many planets, Picard. (laughs) I have found that peace or the appearance of it is often a prelude to war. Admiral. All this stuff is so pointless. It really does make me, like, wonder what, um, you know, let's bring it down to there. Yeah, that's it. That's the level I want. Oh, uh, by the way, um, I think you also enjoy the, um, the diplomacy side of it. This would have been an amazing episode. I don't. Uh, not a, in this episode. I'm just saying in general. Right. Or do you not enjoy That's it in not general? my favorite not thing about thing. Star Trek. Okay, no. fair enough. Then I just made that up. Uh, but whatever the case, that, this would have been a perfect episode. I mean, we're, we're, For we're practically dealing with a similar like situation in Syria at the moment in terms of, I mean, obviously. It's, I'd, honestly, I'd rather have Admiral Jameson running the country. Um, he seems to have more of his wits about him. <laughs> Um, so but anyway, my point is it could have been an interesting diplomatic episode. And they just sort of like that's just a, a vehicle to get to this aging thing. And neither adds to either. They throw out the diplomacy thing at the end because the guy is faking the whole hostage situation. Right. Yeah. So you don't even get to see any of that. Yeah. But I, my problem with people acting old uh-huh. Um they they your voice doesn't do that yeah when you get old it gets a maybe a hair deeper maybe right. a little gravelier mm-hmm. but that's about it 
Like yeah. you look at like James Earl Jones, for instance. Right. Morgan Freeman. Well, you know what? Even more more to the point, um, he's playing against uh, an actress supposedly around his own own age, Marsha Hunt, who was doing none of the things he is doing. So you could have just. I mean, she must have been on a set and been like. What is this guy doing? I've <laughs> been like, this is offensive. Yeah, this is this is horrible. I don't even know how to play against this person. Uh, by the way, Marsha Hunt's still alive. I think ninety nine. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Um, I mean, let's take a look at this, everyone. Ten thousand dollar wheelchair. There's a lot going on, Andy. It's got many lights. Crazy thing. <laughs> it's. I do like the aesthetic of it. It's very. It seems like it's very like Starfleet issue yeah. wheelchair situation. It's got the same brown leather as the Enterprise chairs, the same wood accent as the tactical station, and it's got upwards of six running lights. It's insanity. It's really spectacular, and I cannot believe it cost $10,000. And also the door in the middle... Which I love. They spent ten thousand dollars on this, right? The door opens up in the middle. Yeah, kids, you can go to memoryalpha.wikia.com and take a look at this particular picture I'm looking at, or just grab a still frame of it. Uh, the door doesn't even close straight. Oh my gosh! You're right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wonder if the props guys. Took a beating on this. It's a. Be- I, I honestly think it's a great looking. I bet Star you that Trek was one of the things that they they farmed out. Sometimes something will be too complicated. I'll go. All right, just have this other company do it, and then it comes back, and it's just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I mean, it looks. You know, it's akin to the Pike chair. That was what I was thinking. You know? Yes, absolutely. It's like a half Pike. Yeah, it's a half Pike. <laughs> okay, so. What else is there to say about this episode? Well, Honestly, I think that's it. Thanks for coming by this week, everybody. <laughs> it would have been fine. Honestly, it's such a... There's this. I think you might be past this, but I thought this was a funny moment. Oh. So, Jameson, I see time has not been kind. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. That he, like, yeah. That's this opening thing. He's asking yes. for this guy's help. Time got you. You do not look good. <laughs> it's like kind of a dick move. Uh, what about when he gets all uh, hot and heavy with his lady? Oh, yeah. Hi. Sure. I'm sure. Oh, wait. That's not That's not it. I meant to play this scene. It's working, Annie. Oh, Darling. <laughs> I wish she had to kiss that oatmeal. <laughs> oh, that's, I thought she was acting I like. Needed to get back in space again. <laughs> you know, that's the only time I can get erect. Are looking much better. It's the new treatment. No. Eva, come here. I hope you're heading for the bedroom. <laughs> you stop it. Darling, oh. you look like you 20 years ago. You flatter me. Now you tell me what the hell oh. is going on. I don't know. You flatter me. I 
I was thinking that the actress was like, eh, it's inappropriate for me to kiss this younger guy, but I think you're 100% right. She's like, do I got to put my mouth on that stuff, on that oatmeal you just <laughs> threw on him? Uh, so let's hear this this weird exchange between Picard and I was just about to go Crusher. Go for it. <laughs> All the medical information the Admiral provided is satisfactory, sir. Excellent, Doctor. Except for one thing. The test results he gave me aren't two days old, they're two months old. The medical records coder always includes the date as part of the file number. He lied to me, sir, and I don't know why. I don't know why. He is 85 years old, Doctor. For some, the memory begins to fail. He suffers from Iverson's disease, sir, that affects the body, not the mind. Now, I have a gut feeling he's hiding something. Well, that is an observation I would expect from Councillor Troy. <laughs> now, he's who is he insulting here? Right. Both of them? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it. <laughs> Beverly certainly acts like all snitty about it. She does not like that. But it's definitely like that's the kind of bullshit analysis I'll hear from Deanna. <laughs> Doctor, I do respect your opinion. And it's just that you're a woman. <laughs> I want you on the bridge for the next day or so. The Admiral must remain in the best of health for these negotiations. Isn't that music? And he might require your Weird, service. right? Synth. It's very apparent in this episode. Oh, this is this is the scene we're going to get a much better look at the uh, wheelchair. Would you like to take the By the way, in that last scene, though, he, it really feels like he insults her, and then he's like, "I'm, you know what? Come on, don't be like that, baby. Come on to the bridge. You you be on the bridge." It's like, oh, you know, if you would you like to go on the bridge? I'm sorry, I buy you this handbag. What what uh, what number are you up to there? What number? What? Time code 12, uh, 12 or so. Very good. What about you? Um, I could be at this is another I'm scene. I'm thrilled to move forward. All right, very good. Uh, I could be at another scene. Um, see, I don't, this is the, my, uh, I don't know. I have a theory that is, oh, that is, uh, really. <laughs> well, you tell me what time around your theory is, and I'll you can get your music ready, and I'll jump over there. I have we'll, everything. We'll split. Uh, oh, I have everything already. Ladies ready. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, you've heard. Andy has everything ready. It's going to be a flawless production. Thought I was going to blow it, didn't you? Still time. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> We already heard a little bit of a snippet in that last scene um, uh, about about the, where Beverly's just like, I just can't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so here's some more. Oh, but he even looks younger. And Captain, there are absolutely no traces of Iverson's disease. Who said there was no cure for Iverson's? None that we know of. Well, whatever these substances are doing to his body, at least they've done that for him. How? <laughs> it's too early to say. Get me some answers, Doctor. As soon as possible. Yes, sir. She never knows what's going on. 
She well. has a learning disability. And I know it's a continuation of my, my theory, but it's hard to think about anything else. When 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 every episode, it's just a it's just a uh, an affirmation of everything I've thought before, um, and I can. Uh, Do you think that maybe she can't think straight because her son's a psychopath? Well, that's that's uh, you're you're going the other way. Of course, obviously, I've th- I've thought that that Wesley is manipulating the fact that she has a learning disability. But maybe you're right. Maybe she's upset that she knows the truth about Wesley, <laughs> and she can't think about anything else because she never knows at what moment Wesley will try and destroy the destroy the whole ship. And uh, at the very end, uh, you have this scene. Mm-hmm. The compound he took is forcing the cells and organs to go further, younger, and they can't take the stress. It's like they're imploding. And I can't give him anything to stop it. Can you ease the pain? She shakes her head. She can't give him any... I can't do anything to stop it. Can you ease the pain? Can you give him any of our 24th century things to stop him from feeling this? No. In (laughs) Beverly Crusher's defense, I'm sure that your organs shrinking and imploding probably is more painful than any... I don't dispute that, but there's got to be something where you can shut off the the neural response. uh, I think it's got to be so. Whatever the case, if it wasn't part of a pattern, I would say, oh, this is an episode where she couldn't figure it out, yeah, or where she took too long to figure it out. It's every episode she has a learning disability. What learning disability does she have? You know. I don't know. It's probably it's probably some ADD, ADHD. Is probably some dyslexia. Is probably some uh, dyscalculia, mm-hmm. um, which is a person's ability to understand numbers and learn math facts. We know. Um, but uh, whatever it is, she uh, she's got some problems, and uh, she should, somebody should help him help her on the ship because she's in charge of everyone's health. Well, Andy's theories. He did it. Bam! Flawless segment by Andy, everybody. (laughs) I can't believe what I just witnessed. Don't get used to it, folks. Andy's theories played perfectly by Andy. Wow. Really excited. It's almost like we're a real podcast. No, that's never going to (laughs) happen. So, what's the main thrust of this episode? Um, That's part of the problem. I can go to a clip for that, too. Please. Well, it's at the very end. It's their their summation of mm-hmm. of what the whole thing is about. Forty three. Sorry. This is the uh, after everything has been resolved. The the interaction between Picard and Riker, um, really summing up the theme in a very old school Trek way. And by the permission of Karnas. The quest for youth, number one. So futile. Age and wisdom have their graces, too. I wonder if one doesn't have to have age and wisdom to appreciate that, sir. I hope not, number one. <laughs> Mr. LaForge, prepare to take us out of orbit. Set course for ISIS-3. ISIS? Oh, no. Leaving <laughs> orbit. And by the way, at that last shot, another weird, like, pan, uh, kind of a tracking shot across Jordy to see Data, who's kind of looking at Jordy like, yep, 
we really are going to warp. <laughs> and it's like, what is that shot for? It's a lot of weird extraneous shots. But my point about the uh, the theme is, what what does that have to do with anything that happened? The guy chose to overdose on some youth drug while he was yeah. going to this planet for no apparent reason. He could have negotiated this tree. And, and by the way, it's called out like twice by Picard. Yeah. It's a mess. Uh, getting a, we got a fun message from John Cooley while we're recording. Ooh, exciting. Renovos' own. Uh, he says, Too short a season in which an aging and vain admiral dons a powerful, terrible weapon, his own uniform. <laughs> <laughs> beautifully done. That is beautifully done. Thank you, John. Um, uh, okay, so yeah. more on the point. So there's two sort of thrusts here you have this uh admiral trying to make himself younger is it like a moral is it a morality tale i mean it's Uh, clearly what is the morality right it's clearly a it's it's the 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 vehicle actually is a perfect star trek episode vehicle of a guy who used to be powerful and is still an admirable admiral and still has all this uh, this weight in Starfleet, but is decrepit and dying, and he makes himself young again. The problem is his motivation for making himself young again is always a little unclear, other than a general. That's Matt. Uh, that's, that's actually John. Oh, there you go. Did he write uh, again? He said, "I'm normally a huge fan of William Weiss, uh, William Ware Thies, who designed the original uh, the uniforms for both the original series and the first season of TNG." But I've always wondered if he had a stroke while designing Admiral Jameson's uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Is it just because it looks kind of crappy? It's a weird uniform. And there are so many versions of the Starfleet Admiral uniform. Yeah. But, you know, I was just thinking in my head about Uh how this guy acts as an old person. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, well, I mean, are there any examples in Star Trek that I could pull that uh deal with this particular instance of acting mm-hmm. and there certainly are so in the original series kirk, kirk, kirk gets, gets super old yeah but in this very series star trek the next generation we have the scene with dr mccoy right who is now admiral mccoy at 120 some odd years old right uh, I'm going to try to find the scene so we can hear how... By the way, another weird uh, side note, uh, Karnas refers to um, the Admiral as like, well, he was older. He was at least 80 years old. Right. And it's like, but McCoy's 120. He's still fucking walking around. Everything's fine. Yeah. So what are we talking about? It, there is no... There's no. I, I think they should have honestly, just as a fact of the script and how Star Trek... 24th century medicine is they should have allowed or should have written him as being 110 or something like right. that or minimally yeah I don't although, maybe older although we don't know what iverson's disease does to that's an true. 80 some odd year old that's person. fair enough but then karna still wouldn't be referring to he's you know in his 80s as though it's this astonishing thing yeah i just wanted to find this dr mccoy scene and i think it might be the very last scene it? No, it's not the last scene. I think it's at the in the midpoint of the show. Oh, so it's like I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find. Oh, <laughs> found it. 
Right. Andy's right, guys. It's at the midpoint in the show. It's at the end of the first hour. Uh-huh. So he's right. I feel like because it's a two-parter. I wonder if there was a programming reason for that. That you open up with McCoy, or you close with. McCoy. I think it's. I think it's probably it, they because it was written as you know two half hours. They were like, let's just end the first half hour with the sweet cameo, right? You got some reason you want my atoms scattered all over space, boy? No, sir. But at your age, sir, I thought you shouldn't have to put up with the time and trouble of a shuttlecraft. Hold it right there, boy. Sir? What about my age? Sorry, sir. If that subject troubles you. Troubles me? What's so damn troublesome about not having died? (laughs) This is great. Who do you think I am anyway? 137 years, Admiral, according to Starfleet records. Explain how you remember that so exactly. I remember every fact I'm exposed to, sir. I wish I had that. I don't see no points on your ears, boy. But you sound like a Vulcan. <laughs> no, sir. I'm an android. Hmm. Almost as bad. So it gets a little silly. I did want to hear him say the last accepted, line, because it's so great. Advanced and most honorable race. They are, they are. Damn annoying at times. Yes, sir. Well, it's a new ship, but she's got the right name. Now, you remember that, you hear? I will, sir. You treat her like a lady. And she'll always bring you home. Until you blow her up. <laughs> she's thinking. <laughs> um... A delightful scene. Uh, you know, a lot of silliness with him not knowing what an android is. But uh, no, no, he didn't know that Data was an android. It's not that he knew what an an- didn't know what an android was. He just didn't. He wanted. All right, I all right, I'd accept that. Oh, you'll accept that. I'll accept it. Let's hear some more old talking. This is now just to juxtapose it. Failure of his own efforts to negotiate. He is a proud man. That could be. <laughs> Karnas has established himself as a powerful man on Mordan. Suddenly, in this situation, his power is useless. Sick data bridge. I'm ready for Admiral Jamin. Resolve. What do the terrorists need? Sorry. Let's just hear him talk again. I won't give them. Oh, no. Data's talking now? They have finally come to a state of productivity which satisfies their planetary needs. But no more than that. Perhaps the dissidents feel the Federation could provide them with more. I have negotiated many treaties on many planets, but I have found that peace or the appearance of it is often a prelude to war. There's <laughs> <laughs> also people didn't talk like him. It's sort of like, well, that's the way an old person would talk. Uh, but the people didn't talk like him in the original series. And uh, so, no, at least he keeps the accent when he's younger. Does um, he? Yeah, I think he. Let's listen to him, shall we? I want to save lives, Captain. Noble sentiments. But that's too easy an answer. You've been here before. You negotiated a release of the hostages with Karnas before. Why is it now your answer is an armed raid? It's my away team you're sending in there. I think there's something you're not telling me, and I have a right to know what it is. Do you know the background? The Mordenites had some sophistication, but were still ruled by family tribal units. 
Karnas's father was the ruling chief of one of the families another tribe had See, I feel like he, he, he gets a little bit more grounded as soon as the makeup's off. Oh, absolutely, which makes the makeup thing so crazy. It's so crazy. And it is. The, 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 the clip you showed of McCoy really does highlight, like, you know, DeForest Kelly makes the one eccentric choice, which, which happens with many uh, Southerners when they get older. It's like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to have my Southern accent. Oh, he's just totally yeah. reasonable. And the rest of it's just like, he's just playing an old person. He's not playing a freaking... <laughs> Jim Henson creation. <laughs> I think that it's so telling of just like how I don't know if it's like underdirected or it's overdirected because over-directed. Rob Bowman said They're working with him over weekends. Works, and that was the one thing. What if I, he was working with him over weekends to try to get him to stop? <laughs> Based on the rest of uh, Mr. Bowman's uh, fine work, I would I would have to I would have to give that uh, that theory some some credence. Rob Bowman, I'm here to support you. Uh, Clayton Roner, uh, I will say he's fine in the rest of the episode. He's done other fine work, but the uh, but I, I would also say uh, I don't know. What don't you know? Nothing. I just the fact that he. <laughs> Sitting in Rob Bowman's apartment, just like no, 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 do oh. more lips, do more. Like you're just trying to push some some mush out of your mouth as you're talking. Do that, <laughs> like which is they're excitedly helping. He says that's the part he enjoyed about this episode the most. I just want to hear juxtapose it. I want to hear McCoy at his peak. Okay. I can't leave Spock at this time. You just indicated you could. There are Klingons here. If their mission is a legitimate research interest in the planet's organic potential, then you're the one man who can tell me. And if that's not it, then I need help. Advice I can trust as much as Spock's. I appreciate the compliment, Jim, but... Bones, I'm as worried about Spock as you are. If the Klingons are breaking the treaty, it could be interstellar war. Break the bridge. Bridge. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you coming with me? What's happening? Do I have a choice? <laughs> <laughs> I love the fucking music thing. The music's amazing. Emergency, come in. Enterprise, come in. McCoy, emergency. They left out of orbit. Anyway, just, a, just, just having fun. You sure are. DeForest Kelly. Um, I have another love scene. Him. Of, oh, I love him too. So great, uh, and interestingly, a very, a very subtly played uh, scene between William Shatner and Forrest Kelly. <laughs> I will say also, while we're in the you know business of talking Star Trek, Carl uh, yeah. Urban does a fantastic job playing Doctor Leonard McCoy in Star Trek the two thousand nine. Oh, I would agree. Movies. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just enough of an impression. Where you can still keep it grounded. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Again, if you haven't seen Star Trek Beyond, Matt recommends it. Um, all right, I had another scene in the middle. It's not really related to the other stuff, but I thought it, it I noted it. Go ahead, because I cannot stand this episode. That's true. <laughs> he still cares for you, despite the physical oh, Wait a minute, I think i got to go back a little bit more. Okay. No problem here. This is the only option. You don't agree. With respect, Admiral, I would point not out this. no one else has heard or considered nope. of the away team. 
Oh, I'm trying to find it. Andy's previous luck of nailing it oh, has well. faded. Guys. Oh, he says guys, too. Why don't you get mad at him? Anniversary In his heart, he's still the same man you married, Anne. That's true. He still cares for you, despite the physical changes he's undergoing. But he's getting younger. And I'm... Well, look at me. I don't have any paper mache on me. Why did he do this? Because there are lives at stake, Mrs. Jameson. Well, what about our lives, his and mine? I was looking forward to time together, finally. Our retirement. Now he's young again and has his life to live over. Doctor, she has to know. Know what? Anne, your husband... What is it? He's not stabilizing. He may not have that life to live over. Such a weird scene. <laughs> and everybody's acting like a dick in this scene. <laughs> like, uh, hey, hey, hey. She, like, even if you accept all the all the, the bullshit plot of he's going to rescue hostages, but he's young now. What are we going to have in common? No. Oh, it's just like, what? You know, you've been an admiral's wife for 50 years. <laughs> Come on. It, Fuck up a little bit. Well, I think that's not fair to her and her feelings. I, I think it's totally fair. I think if you've been an admiral's wife. Plus, I think she's also like. She's dealt with a lot of other crap besides this. I think this. she's currently worried about her husband going crazy. She's not saying that. She's worried about the fact that he's younger than him or her. Mm. Um, well. That's what I say. I say that this episode is still not great. So. Um, uh, what what else is there really to cover here? There's so much talking in this episode. It is crazy. I will play you. I do like this line. Okay. I was about to play that because that is virtually the only thing I enjoyed in this episode, that they're in a firefight. Uh-huh. Data has a role over to Picard just to tell him that it's yeah. that they're on set on kill, and then and then you you see Picard in battle, and he's cool the way he should be because that guy's seen everything, <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I know, I know they're on kill. <laughs> I've heard it before. I've been here before. I know your proper place is on the bridge. I will remind you one more time, Picard. I am the senior mission commander, and I am leading this team. Sir? The Admiral is correct, number one. He has that right. Ooh. But I am the captain of oh. the ship. And I have a right to accompany him. Command of the Enterprise. Energize. Um, I know that's how it works, sir. Have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on your note of... Uh, of um, pointless like everything taking so long <laughs> they go down the guy's seen jameson and then he gets sick and he's, and there's this long thing uh, have mrs jameson prepared to beam down carnas i asked dr crush to bring with her the visual records we made of the admiral's deterioration will you look at them you're wasting my time picard and the audiences you saw the admiral on the enterprise when he was en route for Morden. yes and you recognized him yes is this the man you saw <laughs> It's a picture of a person. This is the man I want. He's here, Carlos. Look. 
it's a picture of him with slightly less horrible makeup. <laughs> I don't know if it's slightly less horrible. And now it's a picture of him with no makeup. That proves it. <laughs> Once you took less and less horrible no makeup. Stop it. And by the way, why beam the wife down? I understand that he's dying, but this guy may kill everybody at any moment. Well, that's probably her wish. Um, and I could play another clip where it's 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 the other guy from Rocky Four saying uh, Pataki saying uh, it is you somehow it is you and there's a long thing where he shows him the scar and it's it's just uh. endless why why it's just to to well it's why would he believe that he was younger yeah. what does it have to do with the theme of him getting younger I don't what know. does it have to do with the plot of the hostages again nothing. The whole thing drives me crazy. It drives us all crazy, Andy. Is there anything else you want to say about this episode? The only other thing I'll say about it is um, that uh, that last interaction mm-hmm. between uh, uh, Riker and Picard. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, I wonder if one doesn't have to have uh, age and wisdom to appreciate uh, that to uh, Picard. Mm-hmm. And he's basically telling him, you know, I, I appreciate your your grace, <laughs> <laughs> Captain. The way you carry yourself. And uh, the Picard, you not brought. realizing what he's doing to him, leans forward in a flirtatious way and goes, I hope not, number one. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Well, Andy, it's time for what... I guess I guess we still have to say that there was a most valuable crew member here. Uh, don't we rank it first? I don't know the order in which we do our own show. I think we rank it first. Very well, then. I would be happy to rank it. The Andes. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Um, the Andes. What do you say? Oh, Andy. I give this a total of one out of ten Andes. I gotta give it a one too. <gasps> the only thing is, let me just let me just let me just muse on this for a second, please. I wish I could remember what I gave Code of Honor. You could probably pull up that thing. Uh, I could. I'm sure we gave it two, two and a half around yeah. there. I guess, but Code of Honor, for all its racism, at least there was some interesting stuff yeah, happening. Like I have nothing. I have nothing in this episode where I'm like, this was really fun part, right? Um, nothing. Yeah, like the one Picard moment, but that's like not enough to that's give a you line. a half. That's a yeah, line. That's and... a line. Yeah, and the rest of it doesn't make sense, and the makeup's terrible, and it's just it, it doesn't hold together, and it's boring. Yeah. One, one for a second to two. Uh, there we go. We agree. Two out of two hosts agree. Yep. This episode is a snossage berry. Okay, so now it's time for. It's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? Gotta fill the time with something, at least until season three. It seems pretty clear. Uh, it's Captain Picard. He's the only person that does anything in this episode. Agreed. 
Um, certainly not Beverly. Interesting, Wesley isn't in these. He is not in the. Episode. I wonder what happens. What 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 their co- contracts were like. If if they just were like, nah, well, we don't have anything for him to do, so we're yeah. not going to put him in the episode. Because usually, he if supposed to you're going to pay someone, you will find something for them to do. He was supposed to be in the episode, giving a tour to 14-year-old Admiral at the end of the episode. To the because 14-year-old Admiral who didn't know how to be in Starfleet. Because he didn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, it's narrowly avoided uh, being in the episode. That is absurd. I could not. I could. I, I can't stress. We're in for a rough patch. This is a yeah. rough stretch of the season, right? Oh, are we're in for worse. We're in for. We're, I thought we had, we had rough, righted the ship. This is a rough stretch of the season. I thought it was going to get better from here. No, there's some duds. Oh my god, there's some duds. Oh my god, Matt, what have you got me into? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I was finally when we hit data lore and and one yeah one, one zero one, zero yeah. whatever. Yep. I was like, oh okay, okay, here we are. Okay, <laughs> it's getting a rough patch. Oh Jesus! Yep. So that is too short a season, everybody. Too short a season. Not good. Captain, we are being hailed. Being hailed. Hailing frequencies are open, everybody. Frequencies. We've got some emails here. Um, Okay, so these are about one one zero zero one zero zero one. A great episode that Andy and I both rated very highly. We did. Um, this is from Afergar. Um, I'm sorry, Afergar. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he wanted his name said, but whatever. Fun fact: this is, he has a series of little points. Uh, I've kind of weeded through them. The actor who played, I love this. The actor who played Argyle started a letter writing campaign to be made a permanent cast member, which pissed off the producers. Hence, no more Argyle. Oh, I love that behind the scenes. Well, I'm not being used enough. Oh, I mean, that... what about Mike? What about Argyle? Argyle's got an interesting character. <laughs> that makes me sad. <laughs> that makes me really sad for Argyle. Tread carefully with your showrunners, my friend. <laughs> wise, wise words to live by, everybody. <laughs> That is, uh, makes me laugh so much. Okay, here are some other little tidbits that he, he writes us. Same starbase as uh, Star Trek Three, but the D fills the same space as the OGE. Com- oh, we already commented on that. We did, yeah. Coming through the door. Uh, I think you might have written this before the episode. I think the binars look similar to the, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Telogians, but they were from the cage in uh, in the uh, the pilot for the original series. Um, the big-headed uh, creatures that create illusions in your brain. Hmm. So look it up. They do look the same, although they're smaller and more feminine because they were all played by women, and they have weird ways of talking to each other <laughs> in dig- digital, digitized voices. Yeah. Um, he uh, he asked, "Wouldn't Picard know who oversaw the ship's construction?" He didn't. Picard did seem surprised by. Uh, Good point. Um. All this talk of Parisi squares and not a glimpse of the game. He, he puts a sigh ever. Um, you see Parisi squares? Not, not not in this episode. Oh, not in this episode. Oh, okay, you're you're proven wrong. Um, uh, interestingly, as a as a side issue, um, when I was at WonderCon, WonderCon, um, I was lucky enough to have a uh, 
to have a a, a meal um, with uh, many of the uh, the writers of Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. um, and directors. Um, thanks to uh, Mark Altman, who was hosting the who wrote the Fifty Year Mission, um, and Edward Gross wrote the uh, wrote the Fifty Year Mission, and they they inv- they invited uh, my friend, and my friend invited me because I'm not connected to. To uh, the, uh, the important world. people, no. So, anyway, in any case, uh, one of the writers told me that, and I don't remember the name of the um, the game um, that they played on Battlestar Galactica, where they would. It's it was sort of like a battle uh, basketball thing, but they had pitched to Glennie Larson, "Hey, how about?" We do an anti-gravity version of basketball where people are bouncing off the ceilings and whatever. And basically, Glenn Larson was like, yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> can't afford that? What are you, crazy? So it's probably. That's why Parisi Squares didn't show up in this one. Uh, Bill Riker keeps calling them – or Will, Will Riker. It changes a little bit. Keeps calling them gentlemen, the binars gentlemen, uh, despite having been told that they are genderless. Not cool, bro. True. Um, okay. This is, I think you will find this interesting as a musician yourself, Matt. Mm-hmm. So you remember, uh, well, I think she, uh, Emily McMillan explains all this. The password was minuet, she says. Hi, Matt and Andy. I'm currently listening to your episode. And after the revelation I just had, I was compelled to pause and write immediately. I did agree with Matt when he pointed out that the password the binars put in should have been minuet. I also thought that minuet was kind of a weird name for a holodeck girl. But you guys, it's because the password was actually minuet. Minuet form in music is also known as binary form. The structure of a song in minuet form would be AABB, which corresponds with the first four digits of the password, 1100. The second part of the password comes from the chord changes in minuet form. Whoa. In a major key, the transition from the A section to the B section goes... I don't understand any of this because I'm not a musician as uh-huh. of yet. The tonic to the fifth and then the transition from the B section back to the A section is the fifth to the tonic or IVVI, a.k.a. 1001. This is how you get the password. Considering how Riker is supposed to be a musician, it seems odd he wouldn't think of this. No one would think of this except you. This is amazing. Um, this might have also been uh, informed what the the binars as to what to call minuet and what the password should be. At the very least, Picard should have figured it out because he's supposed to be really into classical music. Although that seems like you know he doesn't necessarily know music theory. Um, and then she says, then then again, trying to explain all that musical theory to a large audience might have seemed too taxing for the writers. Mm-hmm. But I don't like if you that's genius. If that is the truth, that is genius, and it should have been called out in a line of dialogue at least. But I mean, I've looked that up, and I've not seen that anywhere. I think that's her theory, which fits perfectly. I don't think the writers intended that. No, if she, they called her minuet, and that's really the math of a minuet. Well, anyway, yeah, I, I don't think they were thinking that. Well, I mean, um, it's a great episode. I, if they were, fucking kudos. They must have been right. Anyway, I don't know. And now I'm really. I we should know. make a list of things we want to ask writers when we meet them. Because <laughs> although probably if you say, "Hey, did you come up with this genius thing?" they'll go, "Yes." <laughs> anyway, brilliant theory, Emily. I hope that's accurate. Um, if anybody feels like it's not accurate, please let us know. Paul Cole, 
uh, says, hey, Matt and Andy, just listened to the Binar episode, a favorite of mine. And I, too, wonder how they came up with the name uh, of, of Binus and a lot of the names in the other Star Trek shows. It seems unlikely because we were – I was asking, <laughs> is that the Universal Translator? Mm-hmm. It seems really unlikely that an alien race would name their planet after something else. Or does the Universal Translator map the real names to the Federation name? Seems odd. And then he uh, he had a couple of examples. Alth- Althos Four, homeworld of the Bzitkat species. Mm-hmm. New Halana, homeworld of the Halanan species. And Tagus Three, homeworld of the secretive Tiguan species. I'm sorry if I'm ruining all this. You know, funny is uh, I just got this text from Joe. I thought the password would be Minuet as well. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> He's listening to it now. But or no, like last week's podcast. Oh, he happens to be listening as we just talked about it. That's perfect. It's, it's almost like a call in. It's amazing. Um, Thanks and this, for calling in, Jeff. This is a last uh, thought that has occurred to me before. Oh, and Earth being sector zero point zero point one seems really arrogant. <laughs> Which I agree. Well, it's the center of the Federation, so zero zero one. Yeah, uh, Adam Simon. Hi, Matt. Hi, Andy. Matt, do you describe to the often-mentioned fan theory that the binars messing with the Enterprise computer is what led to so many holodeck and computer issues later in the series, e.g. Moriarty, the unsolvable mystery for Sherlock data? Uh, It certainly makes sense, but it does not explain away all the holodeck problems that happen on the Intrepid-class vessel Voyager. Hmm. Maybe the binars paid a visit to them, too. Mm, Interesting. Um... Dear Matt, this is from Zachary Haythorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for the podcast. After seeing Riker play a little bone in last week's episode, <laughs> I thought you might a bone like for me to hear a little more. Here is a song off of Fish's 1994 album, Hoist. The track is called uh, Riker's Mailbox. Oh, my God. And features Jonathan Frakes on Bone. And here it is, folks. People ask me all the time, why do you like fish? (laughs) This song doesn't illustrate why, but it's their sense of humor. (laughs) Is all their music like that? No. Okay. Stuart Gray, that's amazing, by the way. Thank you, Zachary. Uh, Stuart Gray writes, uh, just wanted a message to say I'm really enjoying the podcast and being from Scotland to let you know that you have gone international. Uh, critical analysis, very refreshing compared to the other fanboy podcasts. Keep up the good work. Oh, and in the UK, this was an issue we raised last week. We pronounce data as data, D-A-Y. We heard that from a lot of people. Uh, on the internet, hence Patrick Stewart pronouncing it that way. Um, mainly, I was just excited that we have people in Scotland. Well, now it's in the ethos of uh, how Americans pronounce it. So, congratulations, Patrick Stewart. That's true. On getting the Queen's English back into the Queen's colonies. Josh Snow uh, from the UK writes us from London. Uh, and yes, the, do, the English do, in fact, pronounce it data in the same manner as JLP. As, and as we did invent it, You'd assume our way was correct. Although I did wonder, I guess data existed 
as just information before it was computer. I mean, listen, you should. We should pronounce Jaguar Jaguar. We should say Z instead of Z. There's a lot of things that we don't do. You know, you're as, bit, the, as the as the you know we're just a, we're just a different. You know, it's like in the United States, I call uh, uh, carbonated beverage a soda. Uh-huh. Someone from Chicago might call it a pop. Someone do from, they still call it a pop? Yeah, Midwest it's pop. Interesting. Uh, it's kind of the stubbornness of Americans. Actually, in the in um, Boston, uh, cola we heard a lot. Just yeah. the word cola, but it's you know colloquialisms. Um, he also says. Uh, to shed light on the uncertainty about whether Phil Collins performed as lead before Peter, Peter Gabriel left uh, Genesis, he was the lead uh, vocalist on More Fool Me from the album Selling England by the Pound. Mm. Matt, would you say, I would guess the answer to this is yes, based on James Bonding, uh, would you say that you are an Anglophile? Probably, yeah. Hmm. Seems right. Um, Pete Kramer. Is that an Andy's theory? What's happening? No, nope, not a theory. Just a <laughs> just a question. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, people were prodding about uh, James Bonding info. What's the uh... Uh, coming soon? Coming soon. Coming soon. Can't get more specific, folks. I was on sorry. the phone with Matt uh, this past week. Did everything I could. And next week, uh, we might be firing up the Aston Martin. Nice. Uh, everything about Star Trek does seem to confirm that you set a t- – oh, this is regarding the um, the self-destruct. Mm-hmm. That you set a time, you need uh, the current commander – confirm that you – to set a time, you need the current commander and two other high-ranking Starfleet officers to input a specific time. This was demonstrated in the original Star Series episode, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Yep, and Star Trek III. Uh, however, uh, crew members, oddly enough, do not need to be senior officers – uh, in Star Trek Three, it was Kirk, Scotty, and Chekhov that activated the self-destruct. They're, it was Chekhov. Chekhov's a senior officer at that point. Mm. He's a commander. Uh, that's valid. Although he was on the Reliant right before that, so he's not an officer on board the Enterprise. Which, But he is a senior officer in Starfleet. So then, oh, yeah, Worf he being this. able to do it on and, the Enterprise-E makes sense. Which is what I my theory was, or what I said. Yeah, thanks in for that film, it's likely that Chekhov was still officially the first officer of the Reliant, not actually a current officer assigned to the Enterprise crew. That's what I just said. Right. I just wanted to give this guy credit that he had thought the same thing. Well, I mean, we're having a conversation, he, me and that guy, and we're thinking the same things. Very good. Um, and I believe that's it. Uh, and therefore... Frequencies closed, sir. Just stuck with Wow. Clements. That's a... Uh, oh, oh no. recorder down. Guys, no, did no. you hear did that do happen? anything? I don't know. Uh, it's still going. The Zoom wildly. H6N, everybody. The Zoom H6N. Still oh, recording was, the podcast after I dropped it on the floor. Somebody was hilariously uh, saying they were a beginning podcaster and asking you for advice on... On how to do it, although I don't know that certainly from my side, this uh, this podcast is exemplary of how to set up your podcast. Um, I'll take that as a 
Not a compliment, Andy. Well, I think it's me. I don't think it's I you. So think I have a track record that speaks for itself. That's I true. have many popular podcasts. That's true. Uh, if I chose to make a living playing Parisi Squares, which, by the way, I was inceptioned into thinking I've seen Parisi Squares. It's never appeared on. Oh. I was inceptioned into thinking it because it comes up a lot and... Uh, I was just watching Future Imperfect, where Riker's son, uh, quote unquote son, uh, plays Parisi Squares at the age of twelve. You know what? Uh, you know what that means just happened. Uh, Time for there you go. I imagined it. I was I honestly was inceptioned into thinking I've seen Parisi Squares. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna say goodbye to all of our friends and family who are listening to the show. I'm gonna say uh if you'd like to email us, you can do that. The email of course, Andy knows. STTNC at gmail.com mm-hmm. and uh, we'll also say we now have uh, as per Matt's request a Google voicemail up and running oh my god we so, should have oh, we buried you know the fucking lead I'm well, sorry did we have a voicemail we have a voicemail you fucking moron I'm sorry I closed hailing frequencies here we can do uh, yeah, they don't need to be reopened no we don't have to do reopen them but we can do this captain incoming message, incoming message. don't have an off often have a, a reason to do that uh, here we go Yo, um, hey, hello, what's going on? Andy, uh, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Uh, Myra, you should be able to say guys whenever you want to say <laughs> That's it. Thanks very much, guys. That's a great voicemail. <laughs> That's a great first voicemail. <laughs> if you want to be like him and leave a voicemail, you can call us at a number that Andy knows. Ladies and gentlemen, that number is 323 Eight seven five four or three aft fit ski. Three aft fit ski. Okay, I just picked that one because it had aft in it. Everything else didn't fit anything. Okay, that we could use. Uh, um, so then, call us twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five days a year. It just goes straight to voicemail. You're not going to be bothering anybody. We'll hear them uh, when we're awake. Uh, so please call. Let's say it's three o'clock in the morning and you're watching Star Trek Four and you're like, you know what I just noticed about Star Trek Four? You can then you can just call up our number and tell us what you noticed. That's right, and it works uh, internationally as I understand it. Thanks, Google Voice. Um, at Twitter, we're at Star Trek TNC. Same thing in Instagram at Star Trek TNC. We're now up and running, and uh, I'm at Secunda on Twitter and at Andrew Secunda on Instagram. Soon, soon to be at Second, I think. Yeah, you keep holding out hope. I am at Matt Myra everywhere. M A T T M I R A. Thank you all for coming on a journey with us. He's looking for the. <sighs> it's just me. I'm gonna make him. I'm gonna replicate a, a grilled cheese. This is gonna be nice. Let's see. What should I put on? Maybe some prosciutto? Maybe. Oh, I didn't get a chance to. That's is, the replicator. Notes. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> God, he ruined it. Guys. Oh. Hey, wait a minute. How are you back down here? You already beamed out. <laughs> uh, I gotta go. Disengage. Disengage.